0: From Toronto, Canada, The
1: Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: And welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett and this is The Conspiracy Show. Say thanks to Victor Vigiani for sitting in last week. Did a terrific job while I was off. I took the boys fishing and camping. Uh, They're actually here with me tonight, camped out in the boardroom just down the hall from our studio here, and they've got some popcorn and a movie. Uh, So last week, fishing, camping, and uh, Zach uh, (laughs) landed his first largemouth bass on the weekend, and North uh, netted a few crappies. He kept calling them crabbies, but they're crappies, which are a tasty little panfish. Uh, Anyway, they were very excited. I hope you're all getting a little camping and fishing in this summer, or at least uh, a chance maybe to put your feet up on the front porch or maybe read a good book. Uh, Before we get started, I want to welcome two new affiliates to the Conspiracy Show. KLBM AM in La Grande, Oregon, and KBKR AM in Baker City, Oregon. KLBM and KBKR they 're part of the uh, the same broadcast family they 're billed as super talk and uh, they serve I believe it 's Eastern Oregon anyway it 's a pleasure to be part of KLBM and Kbkr I think that 's uh, three or four affiliates we now have in Oregon and I look forward to hearing from all of you listening on uh, in uh, in Oregon Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett or through the website you can contact me at richardserrett.com. If you haven't already done so, check out the website for the the, the, uh, the television program, The Conspiracy Show, www.theconspiracyshow.com. It's, uh, it's just launched. It's all set for the debut of Season 3 on v- Vision TV across Canada, August 11th at 10 p.m. Eastern. The website is fabulous. And I really... Uh, uh, congratulations to everyone at uh, Secret Location, the web design team there, Zoomer, and uh, Jalal, um, my, my partner at FilmOne for putting this uh, fabulous website together. It's very interactive. Uh, you, can, uh, you can debate, discuss, vote as you watch uh, episodes throughout the season. And again, that's TheConspiracyShow.com. Season 3 debuts August 11th across Canada. And we'll have an announcement, too, about uh, a syndication uh, uh, and um, episodes available in the United States. One more thing, and then we'll get to the uh, the meat of the program. Uh, Tickets now on sale for Follow the Truth, the conspiracy show summit. Very excited about this. That's Sunday, November the 16th at the Regent Theatre in Oshawa. It's an all-day conference-style event. I'll be hosting six great speakers. Roswell investigator Don Schmidt, witness to the Rendlesham UFO incident Jim Penniston, crop circle researcher, filmmaker Patty Greer, uh, time travel with theoretical physicist Dr. Ronald Mallett, Ancient Giants in America, with Emmy Award-winning writer Richard Dewhurst. Jim Elvitch, who's been with me a number of times on the program, who is the author of The Universe Solved. He's going to make a very compelling case. We're living in a digitally programmed reality. We're living in the Matrix. For more details and ticket information, go to followthetruth.tv. Sunday, November 16th. Regent Theatre, Oshawa, Ontario. Six fabulous speakers all under one roof. Hope to see you there. Follow the Truth TV. Uh, Every few weeks, it seems, uh, I'll come across a story of an alleged demonic possession. And uh, the vast majority of these cases seem somewhat fantastical. They're uh, very very difficult to corroborate, very little evidence. Uh, in, in, In some instances, no real verifiable, nothing verifiable. However, uh, earlier in the year, there was a case reported that <clears throat> it stays with me because it's so chilling and it seems so authentic and genuine. Uh, it was, I, I don't know if you saw this, it was reported back in January of this year and it involves <clears throat> a woman in Gary, Indiana, a, a terrified mother really. Uh, and she claims she watched in horror as her de- demon-possessed nine-year-old son walked backwards up a wall and ceiling. Her claims would be uh, pretty easy to dismiss if a child services caseworker and a nurse weren't reportedly there to witness it all. Latoya Amons claims all three of her children showed signs of being possessed, including what she called evil smiles and strangely deep voices, according to the Indianapolis Star. The mother says she also witnessed her 12-year-old daughter levitating in their Gary, Indiana home. Strangely enough, The scary sounding incident is outlined in official documents. Further, Gary Police Chief, uh, sorry, Police Captain Charles Austin told the Indianapolis Star that he is a believer after making several visits to the home and interviewing witnesses. He first thought the family was making stories up as part of a get rich quick scheme. Amon's home was exercised by a Catholic priest in a number of ceremonies that were reportedly authorized by the Diocese of Gary. The story apparently became so believable that officers with the police department said they were too scared to stay in the house and some city officials wouldn't even step foot on the property. The 32-year-old mother says the spirits that haunted her family's house were only vanquished after she moved away and underwent several exorcisms. The unbelievable story has come to light after the Indianapolis Star obtained hundreds of pages of official documents relating to the case. So for some time... As I say, this story has stayed with me, and I've been meaning to address the issue of demonic possession and the uh, the holy rite of exorcism on the program. I Once again, I've talked about possession on the program before, uh, but I've, I've finally been able to pull this program together and present it to you tonight. Archbishop Ron File is with us. He's been a Catholic priest for 34 years, and he is the chief exorcist, for the Sacred Order of Saint Michael the Archangel, Archbishop File, great pleasure to have you on the Conspiracy Show. How are you, sir?
1: Thank you, thank you, uh, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very much honored. Before we
0: proceed, uh, um, I have uh, I've talked with Catholic priests, several of them off the air, who have been present at exorcisms, and whenever we get into a discussion about uh, demons and exorcism, they have always advise me that it would be in all our best interest for them to say a prayer because whenever you talk about these things there is the potential I think you know where I'm going with this archbishop to invite these sorts of entities into our lives and I'm just wondering uh, before we proceed would you like to to say some sort of a, a prayer would you think that's advisable
1: well you know it's it's a wonderful gesture and uh, of course that'd be really nice but I don't really feel it's necessary for ah.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: This thing, I think it's a matter of, uh, of of what your belief system is, and I believe that um, when inviting the demonic into your space or into your area, you have to personally invite him. It cannot be a, a generalization, where the demonic will just come in as a result of of, of a conversation that we might have.
0: Well, that's it good just to know. It doesn't work that way.
1: <laughs> that is good to know.
0: Well, I feel much better. Um, before we get started, let me, uh, on, on your journey and your personal encounters uh, with demons, let me ask you about the, the Gary, Indiana case. Uh, I'm assuming you're, you're, you're pretty familiar with that. And What do you, what do you make of it?
1: Actually, I think it's, it's quite interesting. And what gives it a lot of credibility are the witnesses, the people who were present who actually saw the young man uh, literally walk up the wall, And flip over, I believe it was the grandmother. The grandmother was still holding his hand as he was walking the wall. And present was a state uh, social caseworker, if I'm not mistaken, and also a psychologist. And when they witnessed this, uh, they were so shocked and terrified that they ran out of uh, of the house. They left the premises immediately and called for assistance. I believe they called... Security. They called the police. They called other authorities to get them involved. They were so terrified they've never seen such a thing. And let's face it, this is something you don't see every day.
0: No, I uh, had uh, occasion while uh, filming an episode of my TV show to travel down to Yonkers, New York, and I met a Dr. Richard Gallagher, who's a state-certified or board-certified psychologist uh, who claims he also uh, witnessed an authentic case of demonic possession. I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with uh, Dr. Gallagher. He wrote a piece for one of the Catholic publications about this case. Are you familiar with that?
1: Uh, actually, I believe I am. I, I try to stay abreast as to what uh, what's out there. And because of our technology, I'm able to do that.
0: Well, in, in, in this case, I also spoke to the, the Catholic priest who was in attendance at the exorcisms. Uh, and again, you know, corroborating witnesses uh, to me uh, and I, um, I, I've stated publicly on the air that I am uh, someone who believes in the spirit world. I am an Orthodox Christian. I do believe in the spirit realm, angels, and demons. Uh, l- let's let's talk about uh, you, Archbishop. Uh, the uh, first of all, the Sacred Order of Saint Michael the Archangel. Uh, tell me a little bit about that order.
1: Is it has, has it been around special. a long time? Yes, yes, actually, uh, we've been around since 1981. We're an international organization with members in 24 countries and 15 states here in the United States. Our members consist of clergy and investigators, and we have a systematic way in doing things. So you might find that quite interesting. I can go into that now, or
0: well, we'll be coming up on a break in a couple of minutes. But let me, and we can come back to to exactly what the Sacred Order does and 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 how. One gets in touch with you if one is concerned about a loved one or a family member, etc., that may be possessed. Can I ask you about exorcism as it is sort of looked upon by the, the, the Vatican, for example? Because there was a time when, just prior to Pope John Paul II when it wasn't talked about much. I mean, it, it was in the movies, it was on, portrayed in, in television and so forth, but it almost seemed as if the Vatican was not embarrassed by it, but they just didn't want to talk about it. But that seems to be changing now.
1: There's been major changes since 1962, as you may or may not be aware of. Our jurisdiction is a pre-Vatican II Roman Catholic order. where are a traditional Roman Catholic order which practices the uh, traditional ways. So, everything prior to 1962 would be uh, something that we have practiced and subscribed to. I need to make that clear right
0: Right. now. Right. Okay. So, you subscribe to, essentially, pre-Vatican II.
1: The pre-Vatican II. This means that when we say the Roman ritual, it is the genuine article. It has not been revised. We say our sacraments in Latin.
0: We'll take a timeout, we'll come back, and we'll continue to delve into demons, angels, and exorcisms with Archbishop Ron File, the chief exorcist for the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away.
1: Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.
0: Archbishop Ron File is with us, chief exorcist for the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel, and the website is orderofexorcists.com. Now, Archbishop, what would you say to those who may be listening thinking, exorcism in the year 2014, my Lord, that belongs back in the Middle Ages. What would you say to them?
1: I would say that there are many jurisdictions, churches, parishes, bishops, archbishops might also agree to that synopsis. However, I will tell you that um, that there are a great deal of ministries that are uh, that have some form of deliverance ministry or a ministry of exorcism, which is a healing ministry. Um, so the two coexist. In our order, we also not only believe and subscribe to the miracles and healing power of our Lord, but we also work side by side with the medical community. We have two physicians that are part of our order. We have one that's a psychiatrist, and the other one's a general practitioner. Uh, they are also in our order, and anytime we have a question in regards to uh, to validate uh, someone's um, uh, psychological profile or medical profile, a copy of, uh, of, the, of the transcripts we go directly to our physicians and they would review and will confirm that if, in fact, there is a medical or psychological condition. And if there is, we have to go one step further and look at the other reports and assessments from, that are submitted by our investigators. And this would be in regards to what we refer to as outer manifestations. And these are things that occur around the person who may be a target of possession or obsession. And we also do a lot of work with demonic infestation, which we can go into in detail.
0: Um, You said possession or obsession. What do you mean by uh, obsession?
1: Well, demonic oppression okay is actually what I'm referring to and that would be a mild to severe harassment by an evil spirit and that would be by the uh, resulting of from the openings of some doors to Satan's influence because we live in a uh, modern world where technology is at our fingertips there's a demonic influence all around us, and so any one of us can be a target to demonic oppression
0: now, before we, we talk about how some of those doors might be opened or those portals, let me just back up a moment. You mentioned that you have medical staff that work as part of your team. So you rule out, you must rule out, before you perform exorcisms, you must rule out any underlying mental health issues or or uh, uh, substance abuse issues. Is that correct?
1: These things can also be present in a demonic Uh, a case of demonic possession however there has to be more there has to be uh, signs of physical outward manifestations that would take place along with some form of mental illness that might be present if mental illness is the only factor that's present then that would not be enough uh... to support a case of demonic possession we would have to have all the evidence and just the medical and psychological profile is just part of the equation.
0: All right. Now, I mentioned the the cynics or the skeptics out there. Uh, could you think of, a, of a, a case? Obviously, you know, there's confidentiality issues and we can't mention names, but as best you can, uh, present a case that, that you would hold up to a skeptic uh, to, to, to to show them and the world that demonic possession is real.
1: What we do is we have this assessment this process and it's uh... done in a systematic way which would rule out any doubt in regards to any form of scenario we have our investigators do what we refer to as a first contact interview and we have a series of questions that are directed to the individual now the individual who would be possessed would not be in the position to answer these questions so we would probably uh, direct these questions to someone in the household, like a mother or father or brother or sister, someone who shares the household and as a result could give us accurate answers as to what the situation is. Once we do that, we have, and we're taping all this in, in, by way of video, uh, so we're, we're taping the, the actual um, a first contact interview, and then after the interview, uh, then we would, uh, our investigators would proceed by performing uh, a demonic investigation. And that would be of the premises, the house, place, location, and also interview the people uh, in the household. And once that's done, they uh, put together what we refer to as a full uh, assessment report, which is submitted to my office. Now, if there was a question about someone being. Possibly um, showing signs of demonic possession, then we would request from the family to to have their family uh, physician contact us, send us their medical records as well as the psychological records, and then our physicians would review those, and that would be part of some of the evidence that would be submitted. I got gotcha. Along with other things yeah. that we would. Uh, count as as the physical manifestation. So so, give me a for instance, a case study if you could. Uh, for instance, okay, someone who is uh, who's contacted us, and we get requests from around the world. Someone who's contacted us, perhaps a family member, stating that their their child or brother or sister uh, is showing strange signs or strange behaviors, and as such almost roaming in, in the supernatural realm, if you will. And as a result, they would like us to investigate. We would send our investigators to the, uh, to the premises, to the location. They would uh, conduct the face-to-face uh, interview. We have over 60 questions we would direct to the individual in regards to the mental changes, or the um, physical changes or even the outward manifestations that they have witnessed
0: right no I, I understand what I'm saying is can you actually give us some of the details from an actual uh, case without obviously identifying the individuals
1: involved? I could give you I could give you several cases.
0: All right okay? let's, let's um, do that
1: and uh, and uh, one of the cases I like to um, to in fact I like to, to tell you the story it, it was regards to, uh, yours truly, I've l- almost lost my life the earlier part of last year in regards to a, uh, a ritual oh, that uh, that was being performed. Um, and so, if I may, I could go into this.
0: Yeah, let's let's at least begin that conversation. We've got about seven eight minutes here before the break, and then if need be, if we need more time, we'll continue on the other side. Let's begin.
1: Okay. Well. Uh, okay. Well, let's start with the. Uh, we were called. Uh, apparently, uh, there was an individual. Uh, suspected of, of having symptoms of the traditional symptoms of demonic possession. And so we were called to the premises. We arrived with a team of uh, of uh, investigators as well as clergy. There was about nine of us. Uh, as we entered the premises and we conducted the interview, I could remember uh, smelling um, a horrible stench. Uh, and then the sounds started coming in. And then uh, some of the banging sounds and the walls, and, and, and you know and it's all the things that you've, you may have seen in the movies. <laughs> a lot of this stuff is actually real. Or can actually happen. Uh, and then after that, uh, a, a very strong wind, uh, like a breeze that went throughout the entire house. And the doors and, and windows are closed, of course, but you could feel this breeze and sense a heaviness. In the, uh, the the air was just so heavy. And the victim,
0: I, a, a young boy, young girl. Who, the
1: the the, the, uh, the the child was four, about fourteen years old, 14, 15 years old. Had uh, has had some psychological problems. Uh, was on medication. Um, but uh, that was like that was one side of the profile. What was unusual were the other things that took place, uh, the physical manifestations, as they mentioned, the odors and uh, even the temperature of the room would drop, uh, strong wind. These are other physical manifestations that would be uh, that would coexist with the person who may uh, be demonstrating symptoms of possession. Um, as I was uh, reading the uh, series of prayers and I was in the center of the room, um, I felt what appeared to be uh, an invisible 2 by, two by 4 it, it, it struck me three times. On my left side, and I remember uh, buckling over. Uh, the pain was uh, incredible. Uh, and again, this was uh, it's by it was done by totally, in, totally invisible force, uh, an invisible entity.
0: Was the, Was the was the, the girl? Was she? Um, a, the boy, the boy. Sorry, w- w- was this individual on a, on a bed tied to the bed? Um,
1: this individual was in the bed, was laying in a bed and uh, the, the room was filled with people. We had, as uh, I said, eight or nine people that were present. How did he look? Uh, he uh, looked like he was in a deep state of, uh, of sleep. He was, in a, as he was sleeping through the whole process, he didn't move, he just, he just stood as he was solid frozen in just that one, that one area. And uh, so as a result, um, you can see the discoloration in his face. Um, in cases like this, their hair and eyes even change colors. Um, in this case, he was breathing heavy, his, his complexion was very pasty, uh, very cold to the touch, and, uh, and at this point he wasn't saying anything. His eyes were closed and he was just laying there. Uh, and so, and as he was doing this, you know, we were going through the, uh, through the ritual, I had an assistant who was reading the responses. And as a result, uh, when this all took place, um, and I physically was attacked at this point, um, uh, a week later, um, after we have left the premises, um, I uh, had to go to the hospital, and, uh, only to find out that I had uh, a two-liter sack of blood around my heart. And uh, I had three surgeries, uh, I had three operations, uh, and I was in intensive care for over 30 days.
0: Oh my! This is a, a result. This is a result of an, being attacked result. by an invisible entity in the room. Exactly,
1: exactly. as a direct result of, of, of encountering this demonic entity. Um, to this day, the physicians that were attending me have no idea as to how I reached that condition.
0: Was there any bruising on, on your
1: body? No, there was no bruising. There was there was no. Uh, bruising whatsoever. I had uh, at least a half a dozen CAT scans, chest X-rays, blood tests. You know, through the whole nine yards, they couldn't come up with a reason as to what what had taken place.
0: That's astounding. A similar thing
1: happened most recently um, when I um, one of the things that I do is I, I review assessments, uh, and I'm sitting in front of my computer, and I have uh, members in our organization that would send me. Uh, a video feed in regards to what has taken place. Uh, You know, we have members in in third world countries that will send me information, and I'm viewing this on the screen, and this happened most recently. This happened a a couple of weeks ago. And uh, what I was actually witnessing was real demonic activity going on. And as I'm viewing this, um, something happened where I I I felt myself being pushed back from my computer, And when I lifted my shirt, I did have a bruise. That was the shape of a palm. And that same day, I did go back to the same hospital. (laughs) And they went, they gave me a CAT scan, chest x-ray, and blood test, the whole nine yards. And again, uh, there was no reason as to why that imprint was on my side.
0: Uh, Back to the uh, the 14-year-old boy in the bed. Um, Walk us through what what else you saw in that room I mean was there was there levitation at any point did the child uh, wake up uh, and speak in a, in a in another language
1: what what was actually what actually took place okay after I was struck um, I continued with the prayers and, and an exorcism ritual is a series of prayers in a repetitious fashion at this point at one point he opened his eyes his eyes were a solid color, uh, and as a result, breathing became very. His breathing, the rhythm of his breathing, became very rapid. And uh, at that point, we had uh, we had him basically tied down to the to the bed frame of of the bed. Um, the reason for this is there have been many cases where the victim can actually levitate, and this has been seen. By many people who are in my kind of ministry, this thing actually takes place. So to prevent that from happening or any other aggression, uh, we tie the individual down to uh, whether it be a bed frame or, or something, or tie his hands and feet. And it sounds very barbaric, but there's a reason for this. Um, the person can come up, he can strike, he could physically attack people in the room, and for our own safety, the person has to be bound and tied somewhere uh, and and remain stationary as we perform and continue to perform a ritual. Uh, At this point, heavy breathing happened and started spitting a lot. Um, It's amazing in terms of his accuracy. Uh, He could spit across the room and hit somebody in the eye. It was just amazing. And at that point, he started growling very loud. And, uh, and as a result, we continued our prayers, and at that point, um, we asked him to identify himself, that is, the demon. This is part of, of, of what the ritual and how the ritual takes place. We have to identify the demon, and once we know the name of the demon, then we could call the demon out. And, uh, and through, again, through a series of prayers, we could command the demon to the person.
0: All right, we've got the, uh, the music uh, percolating up here, Archbishop. Just uh, stay where you are. We'll uh, get back together on the other side of this commercial uh, break and, and continue to delve into this uh, case of a demonic possession and exorcism. Archbishop Ron File, my guest, the chief exorcist for the sacred order of St. Michael the Archangel right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. And we are back with Archbishop Ron File from the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel. He is the chief exorcist there. Before we proceed with this uh, case, Archbishop, approximately how many authentic cases of demonic possession have you witnessed?
1: I've witnessed and been involved in directly, I'd say over a period of 34 years, we're looking at a co- about a couple of thousand.
0: A couple of thousand.
1: maybe and, just over a couple of thousand. Now, this includes demonic infestation, right? Which is another thing, but it's dealing with the demonic, and uh, it's it's very serious.
0: And this is a couple of thousand after you've. These are the what you would call the authentic cases after you've dismissed the others as not authentic.
1: That's exactly right. I mean, all in all, we've probably had maybe, and I'm just guessing off the top of my head, we probably had ten thousand requests over 34 years and out of the 10,000 maybe 2,000 we actually felt the need to get directly involved and it's because we have a process it's a systematic process where we could basically rule out if it's just total psychosis we could rule out individuals that may be suffering mentally or we could rule out people who are just seeking attention right the list goes on in regards to cases that would not be valid but right. to be a valid case, it would take us about three months to process the assessment and have a good, solid support case of demonic possession. We have to make sure that it's a genuine case before we proceed. Uh,
0: this is a thorough investigation for three months. Now, does it ever get easier? I'm guessing you must be absolutely scared out of your mind
1: when you witness something like this. Does, it, does that ever go away? Or Every case is totally different. One of the most... Dramatic cases that I've been on and I've witnessed is actually seeing the, the demonic uh, having an, an actual physical head come through the wall. And again, you know, a lot of this stuff has never really been publicized because let's face it, it sounds crazy. And as a result, there are a lot of churches that will shy away from these kinds of ministries because of the various allegations that could be uh, uh, tied uh, to their ministry. When things happen like this, it changes you. People who are involved, as our investigators, for example, once they are on their first demonic investigation and they witness the demonic firsthand, their whole perspective and belief system is altered. And as a result, they look at life differently.
0: I can imagine. All right, back to this 14-year-old boy, restrained. Was the demon identified? Did he speak the name? Yes,
1: yeah, there's a few things before that. Okay. Okay, and and I'll I'll elaborate a little bit on that. He's laying down, and he looks like he's extremely rigid. He's tied down. His eyes are totally dilated. He's breathing. His breathing is extremely heavy. He starts screaming. Is not the right word. I think it's growling. would be, it's between growling and screaming, an extremely loud sound that you could probably hear a block away. The sound was so loud it rattled the windows (laughs) in the room. It was almost deafening and it was just not a a scream. It's such a blast, it's hard to articulate in regards to exactly what to compare it with. In any case, um, it was so loud and deafening that the individual that was standing next to me had to leave the room because the sound was so intense. Then again, after that period, it seemed like the sound went on for an hour, but in reality, it was just a few minutes. Uh, It seems like time just basically put us in a state where everything was a slow-motion pace, if you will. What it is, basically, it's a psychological thing. We're all taking all of this in simultaneously, not only visually, but orderly. We're, we're, seeing, we're, we're witnessing everything, it seems like, for the first time. Every case is totally different, but every once in a while, there are a few things that are very similar, and one of the things that I could say would be the pitch, the voice, of the individual who's possessed sometimes you will hear two or three or four voices come out simultaneously at the same time high pitches low pitches we have recorded such things your verbal pitch has a certain sound certain rhythm to it if you will right and timber when, yeah when you have two or three or four voices at one time it's like a chorus of voices and so the pitch level is high low and as a result, uh, if you, if you, and I'm sure you're familiar with the, with electronic uh, equipment that's available, where you could actually tape uh, the voice patterns of of the of, of the sounds. It's, right. it's it's quite remarkable. Um, and do it, you it, record these? Yeah, we do this in terms of just reviewing in terms of our assessments, and we and this is part of the evidence to support a case. And if we have enough of that evidence, then of course we can can give the green light to, to have a ritual. Actually,
0: uh, we, we are coming up on another break here, but let me just ask you a couple of quick questions. Uh, did this entity speak to you directly? Oh yes. What did it say?
1: It's a series of profanities, which I don't know if you would want me to repeat those.
0: No, not necessary. I think we get uh, the drift. I could,
1: I could, but let's see how I could put this. Something to the effect that we should get out, and that we're worthless. And what we're trying to do um, will not be effective, and that the body of the person that this entity was inhabiting was claiming it to be its own, its own property, and therefore we have no right to it. And uh, in essence, and I've really cleaned that up.
0: (laughs) Yes, I can imagine. All right, listen, Archbishop, stay put. We'll come back in just a few moments and continue to discuss demonic possession and exorcisms. Archbishop Ron File. the Sacred Order of St. Michael the Archangel, here on The Conspiracy Show.
1: Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Uh, Serrett.
0: It's frustrating sometimes, Archbishop. I I really need like three hours to drill down seriously into this topic, but I have but the one. So uh, let me me race ahead here a little bit. Uh, Did the... Did the victim, this 14-year-old boy, the victim of this demonic possession, did he demonstrate um, certain abilities? Uh, For example, uh, either before the the, the rite of exorcism or during the interview or the questioning, did he ever demonstrate certain abilities, Um, abnormal abilities, superhuman strength, uh, psychic abilities, things like that?
1: He spoke to one of the investigators who were present and identified him by name, and said something to the effect that he should be ashamed of himself because of the affair he's having with his business partner, and his wife knows nothing about it. And identified him as a pig, and said uh, and told him uh, some various other things that were of personal, um, of personal nature that no one in the room had no idea, and uh, and that was pretty shaking. Yeah, um, I guess. In, the, in All in all, while all of this is happening, there are things happening in the room. There are things moving in the room. There are things, literally, uh, you could you could feel the walls. If you were to place your hands on the walls, you would feel the vibrations on the walls, like almost a wavery type of movement. That wasn't actually happening, but if you were to put your hands on the walls, that's exactly what you would have felt. Um, there were things happening in the room while he was conscious and while he was speaking. Things would happen, and and it was very nerve uh, nerve wracking to say the least. To make a long story short, the um, after uh, I believe it was three days, and this was three days. This was like six hours a day. I think the first hour. I think the first day was about nine or ten, and then it was the six hours after that. And the following day was six hours. The demon finally revealed his name and as a result we were able to uh, connect with that demon and command the demon to leave the body of this young boy. And uh, it was a, it was an interesting experience. All the people in the room claim that they felt something. They felt something like more than just the hair on the back of their neck stand up. They felt uh, like, like if they're being pushed or having problems breathing, or the air was so thick uh, that they were out of breath when they left the room. Um, Each person had their own personal experience as to what took place. And as a result, there were three or four people that were present. As I said, there was about eight or nine of us in the room. Three or four people uh, stated that they did not see exactly what happened at the very end, and yet they were only standing a few feet away. It was as if they just went blank for a split second, and uh, whatever took place, it was it, it was like uh, uh, it, it just didn't play back in their in their memory. As a result, uh, you know, and again, these are things that you know that uh, that are not general uh, general known facts that may occur in a in a, a ritual such as this.
0: Now, this took three days or parts of three days. Yeah, is, is there? Uh, is there an average uh, amount of time that it takes to exercise someone? Can it take? Can it take just one time? Can it take sometimes dozens of times?
1: I've worked on cases that have taken a couple of years, oh, and I've God. also worked on cases that have only taken one afternoon. Um, it just depends. If you're talking about a multiple possession where there are multiple demons that are possessing the individual. We are that legion. The individual is being tormented and you could see he's being torn from inside out. I mean it's it's such a horrible thing to witness. But if the if the person has multiple demons then whoever is the lead priest performing the actual ritual, he will have to identify each each demon and it could take a long time. It could take 6 months, it could take a year, it could take as I said uh the one case took just over two years.
0: Oh my! Is is this, is this is every a full time
1: going back and repeating the same prayers yes. in repetition fashion?
0: Is this full time for you? I mean, is there any time for anything else?
1: I wish there was. <laughs> this is full time. I, I, I work about seven days a week, and uh, but understand, okay? I have I have over sixty members. I think, I think we're up to sixty five members now, who are clergy and investigators, and they're out. They're they're working the cases, they're doing assessments, they're performing rituals, things of this nature. They're sending their assessments back to me. I make a final determination as to whether or not we have enough information and enough evidence to support a case. And this is after reviewing the medical, psychological, and then the physical evidence that our investigators would submit.
0: Where do Um, these demons go once they're exercised?
1: I could tell you where they're not. And they're not in the person. They exit the person. The person becomes cheerful, becomes um, as uh, as he would appear before he was possessed. And in most cases, you could smell roses. You could it, there's a sweetness in, in the in the room, and, uh, and and the whole the whole demeanor of, of, of the whole experience by the individual and all the family members. it, it, it transforms into a, a very happy occasion, and, and then you know that the demonic is no longer present.
0: And what happened to this fourteen-year-old boy? Now, is he now leading a normal life?
1: Um, He is living a normal life. Yes, I I still believe he's on medication, though. But he's not experiencing the supernatural things that were occurring at the same time as he was uh, as he was on medication. Um, So, I mean, he's still on medication.
0: Do demons? Um, Sorry, uh, Archbishop. Do demons select as their victims? individuals that are that, that have some underlying mental issue because, because that will mask the possession and people won't believe that they are actually possessed?
1: At times, in fact, this is an excellent issue. Um, when we have people who make a request for our services and if they claim to be possessed by a demonic, um, the first thing that comes to mind is a red flag because the demonic would not want anyone to know that they're present. Their whole purpose is to wear a person down, not kill that person, but but push that person to a state where that person would want to commit suicide, make their life so miserable, the physical pain, the mental anguish, everything. Uh, And then demonic oppression can slide into demonic possession. When that happens, it's a complete takeover of body and mind, and as a result, uh, the personality of that demon will surface within that body and then what you'll see is self-destruction you will see uh, self-mutilation you will see uh, things that uh, that, uh, that would be so horrifying and it would probably <laughs> create nightmares for a year just trying to forget about what you have actually witnessed um, these things are real and as a result they're also very private this is a very private issue among the family members and family units that have these form of problems. It, it, it's something that's not really publicized per se. Uh, One of the main reasons I'm, I even agreed to come on your show and I do interviews like this is to let people know that we exist and they could come to us if they have any problems in regards to the demonic.
0: And how do they uh, get a hold of you?
1: Uh, we, have, we have a couple of websites and all our members have websites as well But our main websites are um, orderofexorcist.com and orderofexorcist.weebly.com. And uh, they just have to hit the contact page, give us as much detail as possible, tell us what city, state, and country they're located in. And, uh, and you and
0: will them, travel and, to them. You will travel to them. If if no if no
1: ne- no, well, we have we have members in twenty four countries.
0: Oh, I and, see. Okay. And,
1: and we're 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 across the country. We're across the United States as well. We have some in Canada. We have some uh, in in Poland. We have uh, some in UK. We we have members all over who are clergy and investigators.
0: How are you funded?
1: We are a nonprofit organization, and we seek no money. All our services are free. All our investigators and clergy, they do it because they have a calling from God. And therefore, everything we do is absolutely free. Of course, we accept donations, and when they come in, that's a blessing. But we we don't seek donations. We seek the blessings from God, and God gives us the ability to do what we do.
0: All right, let's spend the final moments talking about uh, how someone becomes possessed. Uh, let's, let's talk about how one might um, open a portal or a door or okay. welcome one of these entities into their lives.
1: Okay, I'll try to make this real quick because I know you're short on time. Okay, um, first of all, we're all targets, every one of us. Uh, if you're breathing oxygen, if you're walking the earth, you are a target to the demonic. Uh, everyone is uh, is uh, is a target. The demonic's nature is to attack us, and they will do this through invitation. Um, I would say stay away from Ouija boards. I'd say stay away from... Uh, other things that may open your mind and your willingness to, uh, to interact with uh, an invisible entity. Uh, the demonic will disguise itself as an angel of light. In reality, it's just waiting for you to invite it in. And once it does that, uh, demonic oppression, the main entry point, is the mind. Once it's in the mind, it will torment that individual, wear that person down, and perhaps even fall into a full possession.
0: So uh, one should avoid, let's say, for example, attempting to communicate uh, with with relatives that have passed on, for example, right. seeing a medium.
1: Stay away from channelers, stay away from uh, Ouija boards, stay away from seances, stay away from anything that would open a doorway for the demonic to come in. The demonic will only come in through personal invitation, and because of... Uh, the internet and through our modern technology, demonic influence is all around us, and as a result, it's so easy for anyone. In fact, I would dare to say that in the uh, lifespan of a normal person, they will be touched by the demonic at least once, and uh, if they're if they're terribly unlucky, many times.
0: Have final question have you have uh, have you ever uh, come across a case where the individual was too far gone? There was nothing you could do for them.
1: The. Boundaries of God's power is unlimited. It is more than it's more powerful than Satan's powers. So as a result, uh, any person who is who can be saved will be saved through the power of God. There are no limits. Um, uh, it could be done. Now, understand the person who is possessed has to also have a willingness to want to be saved. Uh, who may want to become well again. They have to have that inner. Uh, survival instinct. If they don't have that, then there's no way for us to get to them and to save them. All
0: right, Archbishop, listen, l- leave us with the, uh, the websites again for people who um, uh, need to get in touch with you.
1: Okay, well, our main website uh, is orderofexorcist.com. Use the contact page, give us much detail, state, country you're in, and your details, and we will get to you.
0: Uh, and again, you have uh, you have members in Canada uh, in the Toronto area.
1: Yes, we do actually.
0: All right, and you're working seven days a week, round the clock. Um, well, I really appreciate you spending some time with us, Archbishop, and perhaps we can uh, we can talk again.
1: Uh, it would be my pleasure, and I thank you very much for having me on.
0: All right, God bless you, sir. You too. Archbishop Ron File, who is the chief exorcist uh, from the. Holy or the Sacred Order of Saint Michael the Archangel, OrderOfExorcists.com, uh, is the best way to get in touch with them. Uh, my website again, www.richardserrett.com. That's your portal to this radio program. And again, don't forget the uh, website for the TV show, Season Three, TheConspiracyShow.com. Great website, very proud of it. Season Three begins August 11th, 10 p.m. Eastern across Canada on Vision TV. In the meantime, follow the truth.